The Spiritual Life with Angela Boswell. So for tonight's topic, I chose the topic of how to say goodbye and mourn what we've lost. Um, It's about losing relationships, loved ones, even our self-identity. Hi, Barbara. How are you? I'm great, Angela. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. So tonight's guest, her name is Barbara St. John. Uh, she's a friend of mine, and I really enjoy talking with her. We, we chat often about the nature of our businesses and the spiritual perspective of what we do. And also, we usually get into long conversations about what we think is going on in the world right now and how the culture of America is changing and what that has to do with us grieving and shifting our energies and what our focus is. And so we have these really long talks a lot <laughs> about um, about how we view the world from a spiritual perspective. And I thought, you know, it would be so great for other people to hear this conversation as well. Uh, I just think sometimes some of the things she says, I just think, gosh, I wish my clients could hear this because it's just amazing. So I invited her to be a guest. And so Barbara's going to come in, come on, and I'll ask her to introduce herself because I'm sure she can do it so much better than I can do it. And so I'm bringing her on right now. So um, before we get started, can could you just tell everyone who's listening about about you, your your career. I know you have a book. Um, talk about the services that you provide. Um, just all the work that you do. You're, you do such fascinating work. Can you please explain that? Sure. Um, my uh, my experience is I've been in the grieving business for about forty years. So working with cancer patients, heart patients, leukemia patients. And helping those that are making their transition as well as those that they are leaving behind. So helping the families to cope and move on. Um, I've also worked in Beverly Nation, which was mostly celebrities. The Mm -hmm. doctors that I worked with were married to celebrities. So I was on and off the sets at Universal and Paramount uh, for stress, anxiety, and of course, grief. And um, I also worked in Scottsdale. I worked with a homicide detective and I worked with rape and assault victims. I had a company called Impact at that time. And I also worked with victims of homicide. And in 2010, one of my clients, his son was shot at ASU for a laptop and a cell phone, very sad situation. So we wrote a book about his healing and it's called Everywhere Nowhere. So we're very excited about that. It's a great little book about healing <laughs> and moving forward. Um, and I've also worked with uh, Chris Bruce Arians. Uh, he was the coach of the Cardinals. His wife and I had a business here in Scottsdale called The Zone. So it was a relaxation center. So we worked a lot with the athletes in relaxation and stress management. Um, I've also worked with biofeedback and voice profiling. Um, but my main, my main thrust and my main business is helping grievers, Angela, to move forward. See, now everyone knows why I love talking with you, because you have all of this amazing uh, history and experience with all these different people and different environments. And I'm sure you've seen your share of chaos and 
craziness amongst all of the grieving as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, money doesn't shelter people from grief, let me tell you. Um, And I think I learned that very quickly being in Beverly Hills. Mm -hmm. You know, your um, your call is breaking up just a little bit. And so, you know, um, oh, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, your, your call is, is that better, Angela? just a little bit. It sounds like the, yes, yes, thank you. It's just the sound was dragging. Oh, okay. Is it better now? Yes. Is that yeah. better? Okay, perfect. Okay. Um, yeah, so it was a very interesting journey for me. I've also owned about 15 businesses as well. So I do do some business consulting as well. And helping people to kind of make some business decisions, especially with buying franchises, things like that. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. So in all this work that you do about grief, it, it's sounding to me that it's more than just when someone dies and the family that's affected by it. It sounds like there's a lot of different dimensions of grief that you're talking about. Can you explain that more? Absolutely. It's not only about the death of someone that we loved or cared about. There are many losses, Angela, that people never consider as a loss and that they do not even recognize as a loss. Can can you Um, give me examples? Yeah. Yeah. Death is, um, is a second or a moment in time when a transformational event takes place. And it changes your patterns, your beliefs, your ideas about life. It changes your life forever. And it can sometimes be experienced as life as we knew it. It kind of turns into ashes right in front of your eyes, as if your house burned down, Angela. Can you, can you imagine that there are over 40 grieving events or more that occur in our lives? And because all these losses may not be easy to recognize, we do not identify them. And therefore, we do not spend time or energy like dealing with them so so that we can heal. You know, it's like the death of a spouse, uh, a divorce, Uh, moving. People don't think about moving, but it really does affect people. Um, The death of a pet, um, financial loss. Such a loss is like a lifestyle that people lost and many people, Angela, are experiencing that today mm-hmm. in this moment of time. And it's, an, it's, a tremendous, it's a tremendous loss. It's a tremendous grief for people. Um, the death of a family member, uh, personal injury or illness, even marriage, uh, broken love relationships, uh, a dismissal from work. You know, the list goes on and on and on. Um, and I talk about it in our book, Everywhere Nowhere, about the fact that In my 40 years of working with grief, I have assisted clients who have lost a pet to a jet, is what I say. (laughs) And and I'm there to assist them in that journey. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's really interesting. I think that most people don't, like you said, they don't even acknowledge the losses that they've had. So you're saying that, like, in an average lifetime, there is about 40 events that a person will have that constitute some kind of grief. Absolutely. There'll be some kind of events in their lives. Some are more devastating and traumatic than others, but we have to look at them and we have to look at them all. Um, I'd like to ask our listeners, I'm wondering if our audience, you know, if I could ask a few questions, you know, 
um, can they think of about three or four of the most difficult times in their lives, you see? Or can they remember losses that were involved in those three or four times? And, you know, I want my, our thinkers, Angela, to think about was it obvious or was it a subtle loss? And then as they consider the losses, did they recognize them at losses at that time? And, you know, and it's vital that people identify these losses for what they are, which is loss and grief. And they why have to, mm-hmm, go ahead. You know, why, as a society, why don't we acknowledge some of these things? Like as you're talking about some of these things, I, I'm sitting here thinking, oh, wow, she's right. I've never thought about that. You know, little like subtle things. I always think about the the big losses that we have that, that show up around us, obviously. But as you're naming these other things, I have things going through my head right now. So why didn't I perceive that as a loss? Oh, okay. Well, I say we're a country of grievers. We don't know how to grieve. And so when, you know, to talk to somebody about their loss, it's difficult for them to respond because they don't think of the, like you said, they don't think of the things as losses. Like a client will say to me, well, I did lose my pet, my dog, but, but it's okay. But it's not okay. You see, it wasn't okay. You, you, that was a loss. And as a child, it's very difficult when you lose an animal. But, you know, the parents run out and get another one. And it's like, it's okay. You know, we got another one to replace it. But we never mourn the one we lost. And so those little things, they add up, you see. And, and like I said, we're a country of grievers. We don't know how to, how to grieve. Have you noticed that when you talk to somebody about your loss, it's difficult for them to respond? Mm-hmm. Right? First of all, yeah. it brings up their own losses that they may have never grieved, or even it brings up the possibility of losses for them. I'll, I'll share something. You know, people say they don't know what to say to someone who's grieving. And sometimes they see things that are not supportive to the griever without even realizing it. Because, again, they haven't realized their own losses, Angela. You know, I was at a funeral for a mother. She had four children. And someone at the funeral, she lost one of the children. And uh, someone at the funeral came up to her and said, well, you have three other children. Oh, my God. Right? And she was not aware of how my client heard this statement. I mean, I understand that, that the woman had no idea. And she was trying to comfort the client. However, she was saying to my client, don't be sad. You have three others. And that's what my client heard. So our grief makes people uncomfortable because they don't know how to help us. And sometimes people just need a hug. And I tell people, it's always good if you know someone who who is grieving you know, can I give you a hug? And sometimes that's all that people need. But you're correct. Even the tiny losses in life, you know, I had a, I, I really, I had a little goldfish. I went on a trip with my mother and came home. My goldfish was floating at the top. I was hysterical. It was my goldfish. <laughs> and so my mother was quite wonderful about it. You know, she let me cry and, you know, but of course, you know, we'll get another one. You see, like it's replaceable, but not mm-hmm. everything's replaceable. Well, I even think about things that maybe I had my hopes set on, maybe not something huge, but uh, but it didn't work out. And my next thought is, okay, well, what else could I do? What now? 
um, yeah. shifting gears and not looking at that loss because it's <laughs> a bad place or something. Exactly. And we mask our, you know, we are, we're great maskers. You know, we put on a mask and go out into the world and act like everything's okay. You know, people say, how are you? You say, fine. Well, that's not the truth. You know, we don't tell the truth because we don't want to make people uncomfortable or we think that they don't want to hear how I really feel. And sometimes that's true because people don't know how to handle how you heal, how you feel. And I think most people are really uncomfortable in vulnerability. You know, if someone shows they're being vulnerable, like you, you just don't know how to act sometimes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like I said, what happens is that when they are with someone who is grieving, it's bringing up their own grief that they have never processed. And that's what happens most of the time. And, you know, Angela, grief has a far reaching effect on the body and on the mind. Um, as far as fatigue and anxiety, grief and loss make you feel anxious as well. And anxiety and depression kind of go together. Um, people will have insomnia and exhaustion. It's very normal for someone who is grieving uh, to have sleep issues, um, irritation, isolation, not being able to focus, loss of concentration, forgetfulness, the possibility of accidents. I can't tell you how many of my clients have had accidents after a major loss. And that's because they're not in the moment. And sometimes grievers will have appetite and digestion, uh, you know, kind of problems. Some complain of nausea. Uh, people complain of physical pain. And it's harder to fight off minor infections when you're grieving, which is very common. They feel tension in the chest, their muscles hurt, their joints, shortness of breath. Some clients have muscle weaknesses. It goes on and on. So, you know, I, I can see when someone experiences a loss, like a spouse dies, and like for the next, I don't know, three or four months, maybe even up to a year, People look at those symptoms and relate them to that loss. But these things that you're saying, um, I guess I have two questions. Yes. One is, can can these effects be still have them like five or 10 years or 20 years later? And do people, can people have these kinds of physical symptoms and never be aware that they're attached to the grief that they had in the past? Absolutely. I've done seminars where I've had people stand up who have lost someone 40 years ago and they will stand up and I say, please tell me about that individual in your life. And they will start to cry because they've never really grieved the loss. And, you know, if you don't grieve the loss, it is going to manifest in your body. It's going to be, there's going to be a physical effect. It's just like the broken heart syndrome that many doctors did not recognize for a long, long time. But now it is highly recognized by the physicians. When someone has lost someone, their heart is broken, literally. And so if you're not mourning and you're not releasing this energy from your body, it is building up in your organs. Wherever you're the weakest, that's where it will manifest. Why don't and we I think, really? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Mm -hmm. uh, why, I think why it's don't the. We? I think it's the the fear. Uh, you know, I've had clients say to me, Barbara, if I start, I don't know if I could stop. If I start, I'll be curled up in the corner of your office, 
And I tell them, you know what? That's fine. And I also tell my clients, you know, if you're walking in a grocery store and you get hit with this emotion, you need to let it out. Go sit in your car and cry and go back in. Uh, pull the car over. Um, wherever this grief is showing, you need to manifest it. It needs to be released from the body. And there is a thing, Angela, um, that when you cry, this is science and you can, they can Google it, um, your tears actually help to balance your hormones. That's why a lot of women will get emotional during your period. They're, you know, balancing their hormones. And so when you are grieving, of course, your every system in your body is out of whack. And so now the tears are helping your body to heal. And Angela, you mentioned a product to me. Yeah, I was talking with you about the... Um, yeah. The- the, uh, it was a product that I talked about last week on my show and you know, we, you and I were talking about it because I think that everything you described, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I've been taking this product and it will really help. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll get into that later in the show, but I do want to, I wrote that down so I don't forget about it because I think that's going to help some of the people out there that are having some problems that are related to grief also. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I've always heard yeah. too that there are these um these different stages. Does everyone go through the same stages of grief and is that just grief from uh the death of someone they love or can they go through that grief through their pet or through a job loss? Oh, absolutely. You can go through them. Uh the stages that I personally have experienced with my clients are many. And as you know, Everyone goes through these stages at different times in their grieving process. I think, you know, the first thing I see is shock, of course, of the news, the shock and and the numbness. Clients have told me that they feel nothing at times. My experience is that the grievers will feel numb. It could go on for a year, telling me they felt like they were standing still and everyone was moving around them at warp speed. And they'll say, I don't remember the last month. I don't remember the last year. And that first year is rough, Angela. It's tough. I tell my clients not to make any major life changes at all during that period. You know, some people will sell their home or or they might get some insurance money and they, they blow through it. I tell people, please, don't do anything. Right now, you are not thinking clearly. Um, Many people go into what they say, denial. Of course, we know that they have died. But this thing that we tell ourselves, it can't be true. This can't be happening to me. This can't be happening to my family. Um, People will have emotional outbursts. Couples will argue and fight because they're both grieving differently. Mm -hmm. Maybe after the death of a child, they're grieving in their own ways. And that's due to their backgrounds and how their families grieved or didn't grieve. Um, So each family member is going to grieve differently because they had a different relationship with the person that died. So, of course, it's going to be different. And sort of an anger. Anger is very, very normal. And then there's fear, not knowing what the future holds. They begin to search. That's where they're searching. Their new normal. Searching for my new way of living, my new normal. Searching for why. 
I hear this all day, all day long, Angela. I call it the lake of why. And we never know why. It's the lake of why. Why, why, why? And also, what if? What if, what if, what if? What if I did this? What if I did that? What if I was there? What if I picked them up? What if I didn't pick them up? You see? And what if Angela can turn into a phobia? And then there's sort of this disorganization people feel because, of course, they're, they're numb and they're not thinking clearly. They're out of their bodies, really, and they feel disorganized. And sometimes they may panic um, or, like I said earlier, anxiety. Also guilt. Oh, Angela, guilt's a big one. And um, they carry, I, carry yes. that for a long time. Yes, they do. And I tell my clients, you're not guilty of anything. You never put your feet on the floor to hurt them. You know, Angela, guilt, the definition of guilt is the intent to harm. Most people never are intending to harm the person that they loved or the person that they lost. And guilt's very common when grieving. It's a very uh, normal reaction. And so you're saying, this, saying mm-hmm. hold on just a second, let me back up just a second. So yes. you're saying that, that the definition of guilt is when we... Um, when we intentionally try to do harm to someone and then we feel bad about it? Absolutely. That's guilt. That's the definition according to Webster's Dictionary. And so when people feel guilty about someone's death, they didn't do anything. They didn't hurt that person, you see. And the grief, the guilt is common. It's very common. And it's very normal reaction. And and this may not be accurate because if you think, why, why do I feel guilty? And maybe you are regretful. Remember, guilt is the intention to harm someone. Maybe you have regrets because you wish you'd done something different, but it doesn't mean you harmed them, you see. Yeah. Loneliness, missing that loved one, that's a big one. Loneliness is huge. Um, isolation, many grievers will isolate. I recommend to family members and loved ones to make sure and get the person that is grieving, get them out of the house. Tell them, we're going to pick you up at such and such a time. Be ready. Because a griever will isolate. Isolation comes from the fact that the griever is beginning to think or feel that no one wants to talk about their loss. They feel that people do not want to listen anymore. Well, they, and, they mm-hmm. usually act that way, don't they? The people around them? Yes, because they don't know what to do and they get on with their lives. See, everyone yeah. moves forward. And that's where they feel like they're standing still and they're numb and everybody's moving around them. And so, and they're doing alone and isolating more and more. Very dangerous place to be. And depression and anxiety go hand in hand, as I said earlier. This is the overwhelming sadness. I tell my clients, if you must lay down, pull the covers up and rest and do whatever you need to do to take care of yourself. And, and like I talked about earlier, Angela, uh, insomnia, you know, getting the brain to quiet down, that's a tough one. And as I work with clients in their journey of healing, there is a point where there's a re-entry into their new normal. And it takes time. And there's some problems in that. You know, they're forming new relationships, maybe. New, they're finding new strengths. We're helping them to create new patterns. And now there's hope. 
And, you know, I give my clients little affirmations and affirmations that are healing. I'll give you a couple. It's sort of like I hold on to the love and I let go of the grief. Uh, I give myself permission to grieve and then I move forward. I find strength deep inside me as I grieve. I give myself permission to get better slowly every day. I give myself I forgive myself. This is a big one. I forgive myself for anything I think I should have, could have, or would have done. I'm going to say that again because that's a big one. I forgive myself for anything I should have, could have, or would have done. I did my best at the time with the information that I had. And then there comes a point where many of my clients will want to help others. And that's when the real healing begins. When you can share what you've gone through and you can help someone else. That's big. And I encourage that with my clients as they move through their healing. So with all of the different people that you've worked with, all of the different personalities, I'm sure that you see different reactions to to grief. You have some people that are stoic and some people that are an absolute you know, emotional mess kind of thing. Um, what do you think makes that difference in how people are able to handle their grief? And then also what characteristics might they have that help them to move forward and to give back and to heal and not get stuck? Well, I think the first thing that grievers have to understand is that it's normal and natural what they're experiencing. That's the biggest thing. Because, like I said, we're a country of grievers. We don't know how to grieve. And grief does have a purpose. And I think people need to know that. And I want our listeners, Angela, to learn that through grief, they can express their feelings about their loss. And so if you're resisting that, you have to look at what am I resisting? I'm resisting my healing. I'm, I'm self-abandoning myself. I'm not nurturing myself through this. And as they express the grief, they can then protest, protest at the loss as well. Voice their desire to change it or what has occurred and have it not true. They have to talk about that and not just push it down, hold it back, not talk about it, you see. And as they consider this, they're now expressing the effects they have experienced from this devastating impact or loss. So people have to understand the pur purpose of the grieving over your loss is to get beyond these reactions, to face your loss and work on adapting to it. You never will get over it. You will adapt to it though. And as you work through your grief, this will bring you to a point of making necessary changes so you can live with the loss in a healthy way. And like you're saying, Angel, there are many, you know, millions of different types of personalities, millions of different backgrounds. And so how you were raised and how your family grieved is something that I help my grievers look at because their parents never learned to grieve. Their parents learned to muster it up and keep going. You see, no matter what, you don't stop to nurture yourself. You self-abandoned yourself in order to keep moving, you see. And what makes grief harder? Well, moving through grief is always difficult. 
and your journey will be rougher if you had a sort of a dependent relationship with the deceased. And if you've had multiple deaths or losses in your life and you've never processed them, uh, if you suffer from depression even before the death, mm-hmm. low self-esteem, Angela, too. Uh, the question is, what were the circumstances surrounding the death or the loss? I always ask my clients this. It was the death violent or was it traumatic? This is very difficult to process. Was the death from suicide? You know, Angela, when someone commits suicide, they leave their pain behind for others to process. Yes. And of course, they have no idea that they've done this to their family, to their loved ones. Yeah. And the other question I ask is, were you involved in the death? You know, such as a gun accident or a car accident. That makes it harder. If you were the one caring for the deceased, that's always difficult. Maybe I didn't do enough. I should have did more. You know, things like that. Uh, Also, maybe you were not able to perform some cultural rituals that were important to you or the deceased one. And there's so much, uh, well, and, and also, Angela, if you don't have social support, this makes it really, really hard. So all these things will make grief harder to heal from. You know, it's, it's interesting, too. I think as you're talking, I was thinking about what you were saying about how you you never get over it. You just adapt. And yeah. I think that's, a, a for, at least for me, that's a new concept there because we always want to try to go back to the way things were before. You know, how do I get back on track? How do I get my life normal again? How do I, whatever, you know, how do I get back to that comfort zone that I had before this loss happened? And I, I think most losses you don't, but we still want that. Yes. Um, so, you know, how, how do we adapt? And I guess that's one question I have. How do we adapt? And two, how do we find these support groups? Exactly. Well, you know, Angela, you know, when you think about the COVID, what happened in 2020, um, people are still struggling to try to find the norm. And there's yeah. so much grief. People lost family members. They lost jobs. They lost homes. Um, and so that loss, it, it intensified and it, people are living in fear. And I tell people we have to let go of the fear and move forward. Um, and so when you're grieving, of course, there's a tremendous amount of fear because of the fact that you're sort of like trying to move forward. And how do I do that? I don't have all the information I need. And that's why I suggest when someone is grieving that they do join groups, that they do find other people that they can talk to about their loss. It's very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like that facing fear. Um, I know with with my clients, one thing I've seen a lot of is that they will process their loss intellectually, logically, practically, and, you know, go through all the steps that they need to do to get their life back on track. And they don't shift the energy into their heart and really process what they lost and how they feel and how sad they are and how hurt they are and how vulnerable they are. Um, and, and many times I'll say to them, you just have to shift that energy into your heart, but 
how do you do that? How do you get to that place where you can adapt and let go of fear and face these things and, and be vulnerable and take the step there? It just seems like such a hard thing to do. Exactly. And it is difficult because we want to go to our linear brain to figure things out. And that's not where the answer is. It never has been. And it's, you said something very powerful. It's about the being. It's not about the doing. The linear brain wants to go into doing. And that's why many grievers will go back to work within a couple days yeah. or get busy. You see, because if I'm busy, I'm not going to be. I'm not going to just be and feel this tremendous loss. And people don't realize that when they don't, when they try to push past that pain, it's going to sit in your body. It's going to be there until you process it. And you have to sit and go to your heart. You're right. You have to be. And when those emotions come in like a tsunami, you have to let them come in. And many people, Angela, will turn to drugs or alcohol or, or shopping or, or gambling. or There's all kinds of things that people will do again, to distract them from the pain. And if we could just hold on to that pain, embrace that pain, allow it to surface, that's where the healing begins. I tell people there's nothing to change or alter. All you have to do is be aware. Be aware of what you're resisting. And you're resisting the grief. And the moment you stop resisting the grief, and you stop abandoning yourself, that's when the healing begins. And do you see a difference in, in the age of people who can really understand that and step into it? Or is it does it depend on the person? Does it have anything to do with the age of the person? Definitely, it has to do with their experiences in life. Um, it's almost like, like when a parent loses a child. Um, they're now very tentative and may not even realize this, that they are not connecting to their other children, that they are unconsciously, their fear of losing one of these other children is so intense, it holds them back from connecting to their other children. And this is very unconscious. And there is a destabilization of the family and the marriage. And parents who fall into major depression will be unable to parent the other children, or be in the marriage. That's why many children who have lost a sibling will say to me, my parents would not be as sad if, it were, if, I, if, if I had died. And, you know, of course the parents are shocked. I mean, okay. oh my God. You know, but everything has changed since the death of their sibling. And they feel they have lost their parents. And they don't know how to help their parents grieve or fix their parents. So... Now the children, see, they're in a different, they're in a different place of grief. Parents are in one place, children are in another place, the husband's in another place. We got everybody all over the place. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's important that they get some help and that they each can talk about how they're grieving the other one so that they can reconnect. And as you said earlier, Angela, be vulnerable with each other again without the fear of the loss you see, of losing each other. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I'm so glad you're sharing this information. It, it just truly is so needed and so valuable. 
and you know, I was thinking too. You mentioned cultural effect, uh, cultural beliefs around grief, and I I started thinking about how we're losing some of those things. You know, when I was a kid, the way that we dealt with grief is much different. It's like these days, if someone dies, it's like a, a um, I don't almost like a rush to. We've got to do this. We got to do this. Okay, we have the ceremony. It's done. Okay, it's over. Okay, everybody, go back to your lives now. That's Where, right. You know, when I was a kid, it was different. You know, you would stop by the person's house a few days after, and everybody would bring something that they'd cooked, and they would sit with the person for a while, and then you'd have the wake, and you know, it was like an ongoing thing that almost like the village mourned with you. And today it's like, boom, boom, boom. How quick can, can, can we get the ceremony done? The, the cremation? Okay. The marker. Okay. Let's move on now. What's next? That's right. And observing rituals is very important and paying tribute. But today's society again, it's like, well, just get up and keep going. You yeah. see, just keep going. Just think through it. Don't feel it. Just keep going. But when we do these things, these rituals and things, they can help us mark and acknowledge the loss of a loved one. And it's culturally very important in some cultures. Culture is a combination of patterns, beliefs, values, behaviors, traditions, rituals that are offering a sense of stability and security for each of their members. When someone is dying or has died, these are all influencing the way that the person expresses their grief. You know, in Arizona, there are Native American death rituals. They're focused on providing the spirit with things it needs to arrive safely at its destination. So many different tribes would offer food or jewelry or tools or weapons for the spirit and all these valuable items for afterlife. Those are all important cultural things. And I think you're right. We have just come to the point where it's like they died, we bury them, and now you move on and you should be able to get over it. And this is right. where I say we're a country of grievers. We don't know how to grieve. Yeah, we're grieving ourselves, our mm -hmm. own mm -hmm. our own inability to feel and mm -hmm. process. And, and um, yeah, there, and, and there's, there's, we're not taught this stuff. You know, there's no. nowhere. And then the, the, when you mention the Native Americans and the way that they honor their elders and, you know, the passing of their elders and we don't do anything like that anymore in, no. in this country. No. And grief is definitely an individual process. And society imposes expectations and judges people when they're grieving. I'm sure you've seen that. They say that you should do this or that or how long you should grieve or if you cry or if you don't cry. They judge you. And people will say, I know how you feel. They don't know how they feel. You know, my brother died. My brother died. And people would say to me, I understand. I lost my brother, too. However, I lost my brother at 12. They lost their brother at 75. Totally different. You see, right. they, they mean well. They only want you to feel better. And they say things like, you'll get over it soon. Time is a wonderful healer. Time's not a healer. It's what you do with the time. Uh, you'll get you'll get another dog. Or so what? You've lost everything. You're smart. You can start over. You see, yeah. you can try for another baby. You're young. You know, yeah. I hear these things. And, oh, they're in a better place. That's my favorite one. No, they're not. We want them here. I don't care if they're 100. We want them yeah. here. You know, the and, only place I want them is with me. Yeah. <laughs> There's no better place. So and you know, don't... <laughs> and ahead, I, I think too now, you know, in a spiritual 
concept, logically, I believe that there is a reason for everything that we go through. Yes. But mm -hmm. that is about the worst thing you can say to someone who is grieving. Yes, absolutely. And we do not, you know, it doesn't make people feel better. We mean well, people mean well. But as a society, helping people hear or talking about death or death and loss and grief, society does not give us enough time to grieve. I mean, I have clients who the employers expect them back at work, you know, right away. It's like, wait a minute, you need, you know, there's a certain time frame for grieving. Are you kidding? You see? Um, so grievers feel very misunderstood uh, when they, and that's why they isolate, feeling misunderstood that no one understands their pain. And we have a society of it's like get over it attitude and keep going. I mean, yeah. that's our society. Keep see. going. Keep trying again. Move right. forward. Do it again. Yes. Yeah. And we have a society of replace it too, you know, <laughs> just mm -hmm. like these dating apps. Well, that one does well. I'll just replace that one. You know, there's yeah. no connection, you see. And people get angry and this is normal. And yeah. it comes from that helpless, powerless, out of control, abandoned feeling. And people say, why is my family member so uh, angry? Well, many feel anxious or feared, you know, uh, fear and are often triggered because they're feeling vulnerable. Their mm -hmm. feelings are, you know, they're feeling insecure and the family doesn't understand. And so, yeah, yeah it's, there's a lot. You know, and uh, you had mentioned too that sometimes grief can serve as part of our spiritual development and evolution. Uh, can mm -hmm. you describe how that can work? Yes. Um, I think that what happens is that grief can be overwhelming and you question God and people question their spirituality. Um, and they may definitely raise doubts about their belief about a higher spirit. Sometimes people get mad at God and I say, that's okay. Yeah, it's all right. You can be mad. Um, you know, and they have to be aware that these feelings are normal and natural and it's part of grief that your faith is not lost, but you have to share these concerns with others of how you're healing. And this will help you restore those broken bonds with spirit and help you through the painful transition because you're blocking spirit out because you're trying to mourn and get through this and understand it and you feel abandoned by God. I've had people say that. They even get angry at God and they're heartbroken. They've lost faith. So be aware that after the loss of a loved one, you feel a great painful void in your heart. And that's where I said this heart, this broken heart syndrome, because they do separate from, from God, spirit, Gus, whatever I call it, God, universe, spirit, whatever they connect to. And well, it's so, like you, you just think to yourself, how could God do this to me? You know, why, right. why am I being punished for this? That's, that's right. You know, if, that's right. If, what's what's God showing me what did I do wrong mm -hmm. um is mm -hmm. you know or spiritually it's like oh how did I deserve this karma what did I do mm -hmm. to bring this on myself and mm -hmm. it has to have a reason so you know what what's the reason behind all of this and that's right you know I, I think it's a very normal reaction to feel that separation and then it can evolve into something deeper 
That's right. And I suggest to my clients that they start back with just maybe meditating a little bit every day, staying in tune and in touch with their feelings. And that's where these tsunamis come in. You know, those grief and tears, they come and go like, like waves breaking on a shore. And you have to let them come and go because as you do, then you get closer to that God again or spirit again. I tell them to let the feelings flow. And you don't want to hang on to this anger because it'll eat you up, you see. And so, you know, when the tsunami hits, you have to let it hit. Don't abandon. Connect with others, you see. Care for your spiritual being, you see. Um, but we do separate, absolutely. Um, but they, I tell them that they have to prioritize their spiritual healings. They have to through meditation, through prayer, whatever that is. Taking a moment every day in the morning to be grateful. That's all I ask them to do is before you open your eyes, just be grateful for what is in your life and then get up and do your day you say and if you have a tsunami then sit with that tsunami and let that come and go and that and, will connect you back and we're and I, not used to that no no and i tell them to talk to their spiritual healer or teacher you know get the help they need consider joining a grief group a group uh speaking to a specialist share your story very important to talk about your loss yeah and yeah. Uh, last week I mentioned the topic of the dark night of the soul, and I think that loss and grief can contribute to that when you, when you lose everything that you identified with, and then you grieve it, and through that grieving you start the the recreation process of yourself and figuring out who you are and what God means to you and uh, what faith means to you. And it, I definitely believe that it can serve, you know, your higher benefit because you've lost everything, everything that, that told you who you, you were. And That's then you right. have to create the new you again. And in that process, I believe you, you go through your spiritual evolution. That's very true, Angela. And it's sort of like you're re-entering re a new paradigm is what I tell my clients. You're entering a new paradigm. And you'll walk through that new paradigm and you will heal. And like I said, you will adapt, but you only will do that when you allow yourself to grieve. I tell people to maybe write a letter to the loved one they may have lost. Make a memory box. Put all those things in there. Keep a journal. Write down your feelings every day and why you feel that way. Write it for yourself, not others. And de-stress your body with relaxation or meditation or mindfulness. Very important to find ways to relax and have some peaceful moments during the bereavement process. And some of my, my clients have created like online memorials, like encouraging friends and family to add photos and remember things about the loved one. Uh, some of my clients have planted gardens or trees can be wonderful. Um, observing the rituals, as you said earlier, paying tribute, um, can help you mark and acknowledge the loss of a loved one. You see, there's all kinds of things um, that you can do that that help you to move forward. Okay, and uh, and I do want to talk a little more about that too. Uh, you had mentioned something before too when you were talking about the different uh, reactions that people have to to loss, um, and you had mentioned like shock, denial. Uh, anger, fear, wondering why, what if, 
guilt, isolation. And as you were talking about these things, I started thinking about, I don't know, maybe this is a stretch, but to me, it's, it sounded kind of like what we're experiencing in the United States right now since COVID, um, that we're, we had like this, the way life used to be, and we keep expecting things to go back to the way it used to be. And it's not going back. It's like we've had some kind of death or loss or something like that. Um, I know you and I have talked a little bit about oh, this yeah. before. Can you talk mm -hmm. a little bit about that? Sure. We've got a death. We, we've we've taken a turn. And like I say, paradigms, we've entered into a whole new paradigm and we've lost the old paradigm and we were isolated. People are alone. Um, it is a grief. People were separated from loved ones. People were mourning the separation from loved ones. Loved ones were dying. Um, and so, yes, we have been, like I said, we're a country of grievers. And nobody knows how to grieve. The prescriptions are off the chart right now with prescriptions that they're writing. Depression, anxiety, because people are lost. And they don't know what to do. And they need help. They need to talk to people. They need to talk to someone about what they're experiencing and what they have lost. There isn't a person in this country that hasn't lost something in this process. A job, a mate, a loved one, um, you know, all kinds of things. Um, a pet and being isolated and alone and having to handle a lot of this by themselves. It's very sad. Many loved ones, my clients, did not even get to see their loved one in the hospital. So sad. There's no completion. No completion. And that causes grief as well. Yeah. And so we have people that have joined us on this call now that weren't yes. here in the beginning. And I welcome all of you coming in. And I wanted to, there's something really important that you said in the beginning that I would like to ask you to repeat. And it was the, the list of uh, like symptoms people may, may have when they're going through grief, because I think sometimes these, uh, these symptoms show up and the people around them don't know that those symptoms are related to grief. They just think that the, the person is upset or they're having a bad day or something like that. So if you can just reiterate the symptoms that someone will have, uh, the way it shows up when they're grieving, even if it's not something didn't just happen, it could be something that happened five years ago. Absolutely, it can. So insomnia, exhaustion, anxiety, fatigue. You know, many times husbands and wives will fight with each other. Uh, the irritation is there, their forgetfulness, uh, the concentration. Loss of concentration is a big one. And focus. They've lost focus. They've lost direction. Um, and disorganization people will feel. Also, like I said, there's also the possibility of accidents. Because people are not in the moment. So these grievers, and also appetites, they will either start eating or they won't eat. They might have digestive problems. Uh, complications with nausea. Uh, people complain of physical pain, and this can go on for years. And so minor infections, too. People tend to get sicker after they've lost someone because the immune system is so depleted because you're grieving. So these are all very common things. People will have chest pains, muscle pain, joint pain, shortness of breath, and muscle weakness. I mean, 
so much is related to grief, people do not realize it. Yeah, and you had mentioned when we were talking about that before about um, that product that I've been using. Oh, yeah. And um, I, I believe it, and Leo and I talk about referring it to your clients too because it really helps with focus and concentration, helps your memory return, um, it d- decreases anxiety and stress, but gives you energy all day. So I'm going to mention it here now for anyone listening that can use help with these symptoms. The product is called Magic Mind. The way to to find out about it is to go to www.magicmind.co slash spiritual, and you get 20% off your first order. If you tell them you heard it from me by putting in the code spiritual20, you'll get 20% off. So I just throw that out there. I believe in that product. And when I hear someone talk about this exact symptoms that this product helps with, I definitely want to throw that out there and tell people to go check it out. No pressure just putting it out there and trying to provide a discount for my listeners so that they can save on that great product. Cause I, I love it. And thank you for asking me about that. Oh yeah. I'm definitely going to mention that to my clients as well. And can I ask you, Angela, is that all natural? Yeah, it's all natural. It has um, adaptive adaptogens. I've got to learn how to say that word better. Okay. Adaptogens, mm-hmm. uh, matcha tea and nootropics that are, it's all natural uh, formula. I think it tastes great too. And um, I've even got my husband taking it and he is so skeptical that he's <laughs> right. taking it. And he's like, we need more of that now. I'm like, all right, this is a winner. I've actually get, you know convinced him to do something natural for himself, but he's, He's also not as moody, but I don't want to have him hear that. <laughs> Did do you think it reduced his stress at all? Because a lot of my clients have stress. I mean, yeah, you know, he worries. He's think... such a worrier. Like a, he, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. chill, man. You know, I don't, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty chill in life, but he worries about every little thing. And I've noticed that since he's been taking it, he's much more relaxed. Like stuff just does not get to him anymore. So, and and that's good for both of us. (laughs) Oh, that's cool. That's very cool. I definitely will, you know. And how did you say to get it, Angela? Yeah, just go to magicmind.co slash spiritual. That's the link to check it out. And if you order it, you can save 20% by putting in the code spiritual20. Okay, because I know many of my clients will be listening to this. So I wanted to make sure that I let them know about it. Thank mm-hmm. you. And they Definitely. can just write it down that, that you don't have to send them the link. They can just listen to me. <laughs> okay. Sounds <laughs> good. About it. Um, so Sounds good. Barbara is a great therapist. And so she can answer all kinds of questions when it comes to the effects of grief, um, how to process our grief, um, you know, why, why we grieve, why we should grieve, why it's so helpful for us to grieve and natural for us. And, you know, for me, it's the whole thing that we're going through as a country right now. I feel like we are in massive grief and have been for a couple of years. And, and I feel like that's where some of the anger is coming from, um, the, the division, the isolation. A lot of that's coming because there are so many people in this country that don't know how to adapt to change. And there's been so much change that they've gotten caught up in the, the grieving process of it and not being able to 
adapt as Barbara was talking about, instead of adapting to the way things have been changing in this country, instead they keep wanting it to go back to normal. And then that grief just hides out in, in their psyche somewhere so that they don't process it. And what comes out is all of this anger, resentment, fear, um, denial, wanting to know why things have happened, um, isolating themselves or finding others that only will talk about the things they want to talk about and not the heavier, harder subjects also. So, um, you know, that, that fascinates me. I don't know if that fascinates you guys, but that kind of stuff fascinates me because I like to, to see where the flow is going in this country and how we're doing on an emotional level. So um, if you'd like to join us as a guest now and talk about this topic, just click on the join as guest button and you can come on in and my timer's set for 60 minutes tonight, but um, you can come and go as you, as you please. We'll, we'll manage all of that tonight. So um, again, Barbara was talking about different uh, symptoms, anxiety, fatigue, forgetfulness and focus. And we talked a little bit about spirituality as a spiritual development process. So I'm going to share a quick story with you. And I'm going to ask Barbara to come back on um, and kind of uh, help me help me with this story, explain the story a little more. So um, as we talked before, I was, uh, I grew up very intuitive and shut it down as I got into my 20s and 30s, uh, played all the roles I was supposed supposed to play. And one of them uh, was being a mom. I love being a mom. And I wanted to have another child. Um, it ended up that I had a late-term miscarriage. And it really rocked my world. Like, it, it was one of the worst things, if not the worst thing that's ever happened to my life. And I knew in the moment that it happened that if I cried in that moment, I would never stop. I just would never stop. I, could, I couldn't go to that place. It was just, it was too hard to even acknowledge that it happened. I felt like she said that I would just shatter into a thousand pieces. And so instead I didn't process it. I pushed it down and I was dead inside. And through that experience, Oh, I'm going to bring Barbara on back on right now as I'm talking about this. Um, so I walked around just completely dead inside. But as that was happening, I was also not being true to myself. I was not on my spiritual path because I'd shut down all of these abilities that made me me and, 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 and shut down my entire connection in the way um, it, that was natural for me. And so um, I just, I walked around empty inside and I went into this little spiritual shop and um, the, uh, the woman asked me if I wanted a reading and I said, I didn't believe in those kinds of things. And then, <laughs> I, isn't that funny? I was just not. And so um, I walked around a little longer and then she said, Are you sure you don't want a reading? And I asked her how much it was. And I think it was like 25 bucks at the time. And I said, you know what, I'll blow the money and never be curious about this kind of thing again. So sure. So I, um, I got the reading and it was okay. It really, really wasn't very detailed. And so I'm walking out and the reader went up to the owner of the store and said, um, can you get a read on this woman? I'm, I, I can't get everything on her, but something's going on and I can't see what it is. 
And this woman looked at me and started telling me all of these things. But she started with, she looked at me and said, you're dead inside. You just lost a child and you feel nothing. And I just stood there looking at her. And then she started telling me all about um, high school, the guy I dated in high school, um, how that relationship really hurt me. Um, things. She, then she started telling me about my husband, my daughter, like all these detailed things. And it freaked me out so bad. I ran out of her store and I went home wow. and I cried. And I cried for about three hours straight because I was... I finally let loose of that of all of that grief and that pain but not just the grief and pain from what had happened a year earlier it was so much grief and pain throughout my life that I'd held back and shoved down and it just all started pouring out of me and it changed me and then the next thing I wanted to know was how is that woman able to do that you know how was she able to look at me and know those things about me. How, how could she do that? I just couldn't let it go. And so it, um, it started my whole awakening process and learning and developing and honoring and trusting, um, you know, my intuition, my abilities and my beliefs and all of these different things. But it, it changed my entire life. The moment that I was able to step into grief and release it all it, it just absolutely changed me. And it is what put me on my spiritual path. And um, just as a little side note to that story, uh, probably, I think it was about five or six years later, um, I end up buying that store because that, wow. that became my retail <laughs> store. And That's amazing. I was helping the old owner move out. And she said, you know, I stayed in business because of you. And I yeah. said, what do you mean? Because I, I didn't really know her. I said, what do you mean? And she said, I'd only been open about a year when you came in. And um, after you left, you sent me a note telling me how valuable your experience was and how it changed my life. And I kept that wow. note on the bulletin board behind the cash register. All oh. of, you know, it was 10 years later, no, nine years, because she'd been open a year when I went in. So it was nine years later when I bought the store. And she said, whenever times got really bad, I would take that note down and read it and remind myself why that's I was wonderful. in business. Wow. And yeah, and I ended up, that's the store I own today. That's so, amazing. Um, yeah. So for me, I'm, I, I believe in all of this about, about grief being a transformational process for us and letting go because it's what changed my life. That's so, right. I'll hand it back over to you. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that you mentioned, when someone has a miscarriage, loses a baby, this society, again, doesn't really, it sort of discounts it as a loss. It's like, well, that's, you know, it wasn't, a, it wasn't born or it wasn't here. Or, and so they don't really understand the grief that is connected to that, mm -hmm. the hopes the dreams, uh, the desires are all lost, the future of that baby. And so a lot of women hide when they grieve a miscarriage because people do not know what to do with that and they don't know how to assist them. And it is a mourning process that you must go through. And you were one of those women, Angela, that just, again, mustered it up and... Yeah. 
and just said, well, I need to handle this. You know, people don't recognize it. They don't talk about it. They don't share it. There's millions of women who have never shared their miscarriage and their loss. Mm -hmm. And, you know, grief is accumulative. Um, people come in, I'll share this very quickly. People come in and they've lost a pet. And the spouse will say to me, you know, this is a way, this is, this reaction is beyond, you know, what I ever thought she would experience by losing, you know, our dog. And I have to share with them, well, this is not only about losing their dog. It's about every loss that you've ever had. And it just comes in, like I said, like a tsunami. And it's overwhelming. And that's what you did. You processed all the losses, Angela, all the abandonments before that. Yeah, I, just, I think I still work on that all the time. <laughs> but right. that one, it, that one definitely served the whole yes. purpose for me. Yes, um, because it, you know, by the by the woman there who was in her beliefs and Absolutely. on her path, she was able to give me these messages that there's just no way anyone could know those things by looking at me. Mm -hmm. And it, and you know, within me there was something that was ready. To come out and be absolutely and be absolutely again yes yep yes. and so that was yes. the catalyst for it and yes you mm -hmm. know when that, the grief was in the way of it but also the grief it was what birthed it in a way because mm -hmm. it's what finally got all of that emotion and everything that i'd been suppressing down and then it just burst wide open and then mm -hmm. I, it helped me through the grief also learning about uh, you know, what, what did I believe and, and how did I feel and mm -hmm. what were theories of what happens to people mm -hmm. on the other side? And, you know, right. I just did a lot of reading of, of different um, mm -hmm. ideas that mm -hmm. uh, people had out there, you know, different books. And I mean, this is going mm -hmm. on, uh, this was 20 years ago. So there wasn't a lot out there at the time. People weren't. Oh, no, open. not 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it sent you on a spiritual path. And that's what it does for a lot of people. Once they can get through to the healing part, that's when they begin to soar into that spiritual place. And they begin to take that grief and turn it into something powerful and sharing it with others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I feel like that's really the, um, when we know we've completed something, when we're yeah. comfortable sharing it and teaching others and being that that's example right. mm -hmm. to them. Exactly. And their, Beautiful and story, Angela. Uh, and I'm mm -hmm. much more compassionate than I ever was before. I'm much more open and uh, trusting. And, you know, I, I understand now that people that you know, act in certain ways that aren't pleasant. Usually they're, they're in a lot of pain and I have yes. no idea what caused it, but I can hold space for them. Mm -hmm. and, and actually um, forgive them. Right. I mean, be able to yeah. kind of rise again, rise above it and sort of, you know, observe. And, you know, one of the things the Bible says is be of it, but not in it. I love that. Mm -hmm. It's sort yeah. of like we're of the chaos in the world right now, but we can't be in it. We have to, we're of it, but we observe it and we, you know, collectively stay in our bubbles and, you know, and protect ourselves and our families and our loved ones, but never go into the fear. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, um, so are there any like books besides your own, of course, which I want you to please tell us that the name of the title of that again, and any other books or references that you can give people to help them? 
Sure. There are, um, there's many books out there. Our book is Everywhere Nowhere, and it's up on Amazon. Um, there's a book called The Grief Recovery Handbook, which is a great book. Um, there's a book on death and dying. Um, there's a lot of books out there that will help individuals. And I always suggest the grief groups are good. If you can find some, you know, sometimes at churches or at the metaphysical centers, um, groups are always good because it gives you the ability to share your story. Um, and I think it's really, really helpful to do that. It's extremely what, what about healing online? because you are with people who really truly understand Yeah. Uh, what about the online groups? Is there anything online that you can recommend? You know, I really, don't, I'm sure there are. I, I have to be honest, I do not know of any. I have not researched that, but I'm sure there are. Maybe we should start one, Angela. <laughs> <laughs> right? a, whole, a whole group of, uh, of people that are trying to deal with their loss. And, yes. Um, you know, one thing that, that I had mentioned early on in the call for the people that are that have joined us recently is, um, and I'd like to circle back around to this, is, you know, we were talking about lost and losing a loved one. Um, and one thing that you just said, too, it's about grieving what could have been, what, what plans we had, the disappointments of not having that future. Can we talk a little bit about how... We, um, you were saying that there are an average of 40 events in each person's lifetime that, that they're grieving events that they may not acknowledge or do any work on or release. Can we talk about some of the other things that we don't acknowledge as losses so we don't release and mourn and grieve them? I'd like to talk about what those things are and how to handle them. Um, well, one of the things is like moving, you know, I have clients that have come to me and maybe their parents were in the military, so they moved a lot and the, they don't consider that a loss. But when you, when you really reflect on it, you can see that moving 15 or 17 times or 10 times in your life, even five times in your life, you have lost friends in those moves. You've had to change schools. You become very tentative about being vulnerable with people because they leave or you leave. Mm -hmm. And so that's a grief. And you've never really grieved all those losses, the toys you lost, um, the bedroom you loved, um, the, the, the family members you had to leave because you had to move. These are all griefs. Um, and also, um, like I talked about lifestyle too, people don't realize that there are many people that grieve a lifestyle. Um, you know, like I said, I help people from a pet to a jet. Um, you know, if you've lost your jet and you're used to flying on your jet, is that any less painful? I mean, no, I mean, those people have lost the lifestyle and they should, they have a right to grieve that. Um, you know, uh, moving to a smaller home, moving to an apartment from a big house. Those are all losses and people just kind of muster them up and don't really grieve them at all. It's like, oh, well, you know, but that's not true. Um, and like I said, pets, sometimes people don't always grieve their pets because they're embarrassed to talk about it or they're embarrassed to cry in front of someone. Um, and people don't understand the connection that people have to their pets and don't know how to assist them. So, like I said, again, we're a country of grievers, and we don't know how to grieve, and we don't know how to support the griever. 
You know, I was watching this um, this show. Uh, it was this morning. It was uh, all right. Today is Monday. This is yesterday. It was a uh, CBS Sunday morning, and they were talking about uh, ageism and how where there this woman's trying to shift the perspective uh, perspective of women aging. And I started thinking about our talk, and I started thinking, you know, sometimes I grieve my youth. Like mm-hmm. aging is, is a tough one for me. I was always like super athletic and had so much energy and um, I, I can feel it as I'm you know, moving into my fifties, I can really feel things are changing. And sometimes I I'm sad about it and I feel like I need to let that go and mourn it a little bit. Do you have any any thoughts on grieving as we age? Absolutely. Um, it's we we're grieving the fact that, like you're saying, Angela, we don't have the energy. Um, we maybe may, we've lost friends along the way. Um, we're reflecting back on our lives, on the things that we wish we could have done. So we're grieving all those things, and then we're looking at the future and saying, "Oh my God, I'm you know how long do I have? And you know what's left for me?" And there's a lot of grief in that, Angela. And I always tell people to journal. When people are dealing with the age thing, it's best to journal. Put your thoughts down on the paper so that they're they're kind of coming out of your head and onto the paper. It's very healing. And it helps you to give yourself an opportunity to express the grief and the sadness that you're feeling about life changing. You know, many women say, well, I'm not as attractive as I was. I, you know, they're grieving that, that they're not, you know, maybe the men aren't attractive to me or the man will say, you know, the women aren't attracted to me and it makes me sad. And you know what? That's okay. Be sad. Be sad so that you can move into a healthier place and come to the fact of adapting again to where I'm at and loving where I'm at, you see. And journaling is wonderful for that. You know, right now, it seems like the, the last few years, I guess, in this country, uh, it's been this attitude of, you know, if you if something hurts your feelings, then you're sensitive, you're oversensitive kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, then you're you're labeled. Oh, you must be in this group because you have feelings, and you're sensitive. Right. You're not in that group with those mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Um, how yeah. do we break that barrier down to where we can be sensitive and not be labeled as something else? Well, what happens is when you are speaking your feelings, you know, somebody might say to you, uh, "Well, that's your problem," you know. And so when someone says that, I go, wow, that really hurts even more. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's like, wow. So now I need to set a boundary. It's important to have boundaries. You know, some people are close to my heart. Some people are arm's length away. And so if someone's not feeling my feeling, I'm out. I'm, I'm one that will feel your feelings. I'm going to communicate to you. Gee, I'm sorry I said that. I apologize if that made you feel that way. I'm the first one to say that, you see. So when someone comes back at you and defends themselves, uh, that's somebody that you need to set an arm's length with because you can't trust them now. See, they're not feeling your feeling. I am one of those people that I find it very hard to know what to say to someone. When I mean, I've, I've gotten better as, as I've done more work with people. As I've gotten older, I've gotten better. And I know now just sometimes you don't say anything or you just say, I'm here for you. What can I do for you? But when I was younger, I mean, I'm going to say all the way up until I was, say, 35, 40, I had no idea what to say to someone 
who was telling me about a loss that they had mm-hmm. or they were um, they were sharing their feelings about mm-hmm. something because I didn't grow up like that. We didn't talk about any feelings at all. They did not exist in our household. So I, because of my upbringing, I didn't have the vocabulary I needed in order to comfort someone or to open up to them. Um, can you give me like, what are, what's the right way, the healthy way to respond to someone's loss? Well, when someone is talking about their loss, I usually, you know, give them, let them talk about what happened. And I usually reiterate to them how painful that must have been for you, how difficult I'm so, I'm, it had to be so sad for you. And I always offer a hug. It's the best thing you, you can do for someone um, because that's what they need. You know, we need a lot of hugs in our lives and we don't get a lot of them. And when people are grieving, uh, people want to move away from it because like I said earlier, it brings up their own griefs, you see. And so they find it hard to step in. And I tell people to step in and say, gee, can I give you a hug? But when they're sharing their story, it's always important to articulate what you're hearing. That had to be hard. That had to be difficult. It sounds like somebody pulled the rug out from under you. Um, Those kind of things, Angela. And what are some things you should avoid saying? Well, sort of like I said earlier, sort of like, um, you know, well, you know, you can get another dog or you can get another cat. Or you have three other children, so you lost one, so, you know. Or your husband died. Well, you're going to get a divorce anyway, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, horrible. things like that. <laughs> yeah, horrible thing. Oh, I've heard it all in 40 years, trust me. Um, and so, yes, so those kind of things. People say they don't mean it. Uh, they don't know what they're saying. They think it's comforting. Or they always say, this is, this is my favorite, you know, they're in a better place. And like I always say, they're not in a better place. The better place is with me. Not with God, not with whatever, but with me. Yeah. And yeah. So, so just acknowledge. Uh, so, you know, reiterating their feelings. Mm-hmm, I think acknowledging their feelings is the most important thing um, for people to hear. Is that because then they realize you're really listening to me. You're hearing my pain, you see. And you're not trying to uh, sedate me by your conversation. You know, like you'll get better. It'll take time. Uh, no, time doesn't heal anything. Everything happens for a reason. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's Which like, I, oh, I believe it does, but that's just not the right That's thing right. That, right. At that moment, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, no. Um, but, um, you know, saying things that will reiterate the feelings, I think that's the most important thing. So, mm-hmm. and, and like I, I said, people need hugs. I mean, and, you know, really the number of hugs a person craves a day scientifically is 13. Wow. And, yeah. And the, and a three second hugs are powerful. So when you hug someone who's grieving, you want to count one, two and three and they'll feel so much better. Um, so and medical medically, someone who is ill, my cancer patients, my leukemia patients, I will actually hold them for 20 seconds, just hold them and let them cry or let them talk to me while I'm holding them. Hugs are extremely healing and people don't realize that so and it's like mm-hmm. you just look past all that's going on with them and you just see the person in their yes. heart and soul yes yes and now and they Hi. now we are connecting with them yeah 
how do feeling... you do that? How do you look past all of that and see the pain that they're in and that they're human? Um, I believe when they're speaking to me and what I am feeling from them, what I think I feel, what I feel, like, do I feel the sadness? Do I hear the sadness? Do I, do I feel the frustration? Do I feel the anger? What am I experiencing from them? I'm stepping from myself over to them. And what am I experiencing? And that comes from the more we clear our own grief, the better we can hear someone else's. And that's the truth. The more we heal ourselves and the more awareness we have about ourselves, the more we heal. Um, and very important. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something we don't even think about, you know, about how that transcends when we do our own healing. And that really is what we're here to do. And that's how we're going to shift and everybody to evolve is to heal ourselves one at a time because it leads to that mass healing, like what you're talking about. And so it's like, it's in each of us, our own responsibility to do our work and to heal. Yes. We're like, you know, you take a pebble. When I tell my clients, look, we're going to take a pebble and we're going to throw it in the water. And as you begin to heal and it ripples, your healing ripples throughout your family. You know, sometimes the mother will come and say, my kids won't come. My husband won't come. I said, well, we're not worried about that. We're going to take it. We're going to throw the pebble in the pond and we're going to begin your journey because that is going to affect the whole family's healing. If just one person steps out to get help, it can help the rest of the family. Wow. Maybe sometimes that's what they're waiting for. Yes. Yes. That one person. Mm -hmm. So I want to welcome the people that have joined us sure. recently. And um, I'd like to loop back around to something that you said earlier also. And that is um, some ways to, I, I think the word you used was tributes that you can do for people when someone has passed away. Uh, just some ways to remember them, um, things you can do for other people when they, when someone they've lost someone that they've loved and how you can help them with different actions like that. I, I think you called it tributes, but I'm not sure. Yes. Yeah. Sort of rituals, um, things yeah. that people can do. Um, some of my clients have planted a tree. Some of them have planted a garden. Some of the people have gone on Facebook and created memorials and Friends and family can come on and share pictures and memories of the one that they have lost. Um, I love a memory box is good. Keeping a journal is good. Um, and distressing, de-stressing de your body, relaxation techniques, meditation. Being able to meditate enough to begin to sort of allow the body to totally relax and the mind to quiet down. Most important thing of all. Um, is is meditation or prayer even prayer is meditation to me people pray they're meditating they're quieting the linear brain um, and there are many ways that people have they they go to the memorial they go to the cemetery on the birthday of the individual uh, they may set a table during the holiday they may set a place they may make a special meal that this person loved um, all kinds of things that you can do to memorialize the one you loved. And all, another thing I suggest to people is, you know, when someone dies, it's interesting. People have a hard time saying their name. It's a fascinating thing to me over the years. Mm, I and see. I tell people, I say, use their name. You know, 
their name was Paul and they passed away. Paul passed away on this particular day. Uh, Ralph or, or Mary or Jane or use their names. Sometimes people are afraid to use the name. Um, and so it's very important that when someone's grieving that you use the person's name. Uh, that was their name. They were alive. At one time they were with us. They were here. And so they were real. And so using their name is important. Mm-hmm. I think that's, those are all fantastic ideas. And those aren't things that most of us know. Um, that's why I really value your experience and your opinion, because you work in this every single day. And I guess that's another question I have for you. How can you emotionally handle that you, all of your clients are grieving that, that they've had these losses, you know, how do you manage not uh, having it affect you all of the time or does it, or what has it taught you? What, what is all of that uh, experience? How has that affected you in your life? Oh, interesting. Well, I would say, you know, definitely my weekends, <laughs> I think I shared this with you, Angela, my weekends are sort of where I'm with my family and my children. And, you know, very rarely will I do weekend appointments. Um, th- that's my rejuvenation time, my my time to vibrate with my family and, and myself. Sometimes I just meditate. I might just meditate or be in prayer or read. I love to read. I have a huge library. And so um, those are the things that I do for myself, walking in nature, uh, getting outside. Um, I used to love to travel, haven't done much of that. Um, and when I am done, when, I'm, when, I, when a session is completed, I sort of bubble the individual. I know energetically, I just kind of bubble them up and <clears throat> with very healing energy around them. And then it's kind of like it's, then I move to my next one and I, and I get into their bubble. I know it sounds, but we have energetic bubbles around us. They're frequencies, vibrations. So each client has their own vibration. So I'm entering that client's vibration. And then I'm able to kind of expel myself and pull back from that vibration and bless them and move into the next one. And that is the only way I've done it through all these years. Was it harder when in the beginning? Oh, yes. In the beginning, um, definitely. And then I kind of learned this. I actually, I studied in Germany for a long time. And um, this was in the mm, early 80s. And um, I learned a lot of spiritual techniques there and brought them back. And I actually had a a school here, a hypnosis school for a long time in Scottsdale, and um, taught a lot of those techniques. And one of them was this energetic bubbling, and I love it. It's very helpful for me, and I've practiced it, and people have a vibration. As you know, Angela, you know, when you're doing a reading, you're reading their vibration. You're in their bubble, is what I say. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So meditation for me is powerful. And um, and when when you're working with these clients, how do you know when someone has, like, what are the symptoms that they're making that turn to, to release, to grieve, to heal, to, you know, I hate saying move forward in life, but how, how do you know when that moment happens? What do you see or sense that that shift is that they're ready to release some of the grief? 
Um, when I'm working with a client and we are continually talking about their process, and I think when we do the lifetime time chart is really powerful, sort of all the losses they have had in their lives and they don't even realize it. And it's really healing because they begin to see a pattern. When someone does a life timeline for me, it gives me patterns in their life. And we tie those patterns together. And they can see how these griefs are sort of strung together. It's very interesting. Um, and all the griefs that they have not processed. And once we do that, it seems to create a tremendous shift for people. Very healing. That sounds like an amazing exercise. Yes, it really truly is. Um, and, it's powerful. And what what percentage of clients do you work with that don't move forward and process their grief and release it? I mean, are there there are people out there that just hold on to it and, until they they pass away? Um, in my experience, I have had people who would come to a few sessions. And then they might disappear for a while. They have to process what we've talked about. It's so, it's so intense. And then they come back. And then they're ready to do the rest of it. And so uh, that's been my experience. Um, and there are people who just cannot go there. There are people who one of the family members can keep on the process and the other one just can't move past it. And that's very sad. Uh, and that does happen. People And see, a lot of times, Angela, people feel like if I'm not mourning the person that I love and I lost, then I'm forgetting about them. Because you have to remember, the last emotion we have with them is traumatic. It's the death. It's emotional. Mm -hmm. That's the last connection. And people feel that... And think that if I let that go, then I'm letting go of them. And that's not true. That's not true. When you can process that pain, you're actually allowing that loved one to be, that loved one is never going to leave you. You can kill the body, but you cannot kill the frequency and energy and vibration of someone we love. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. I just love what you just said, and I think that that is the most important thing that we've talked about here tonight is that feeling of not wanting to let go of that pain because then we might lose them. Yes, yes. And how can I be happy when my loved one is gone? Not here, but they're always with us. They're in our hearts. They're in our mind. They're always with us vibrationally they are with us they send us signs they send us signals they we hear things the more we begin to heal the closer we get to our loved one mm -hmm. yeah and it, as we talked about before that loss can be a, a spiritual development catalyst to move them into understanding their spiritual beliefs more absolutely absolutely mm -hmm. yeah yeah absolutely. i think that that's so important. Um, okay, so, uh, and, and I do, I also want to connect this with, it's not just when someone has passed away, because there are so many losses that we have that we don't grieve. And 
even, you know, as you were saying about, uh, like, if we could take that scenario you just talked about and put it with, like, someone started a business 10 years ago and put everything they had into that business and it failed after five years. And then they spent the the next five years just focused on the fact that their business failed and they didn't process it, adapt and do something else with their life. How can, um, how can what you just said relate to these other losses that people have and how they can honor those losses and adapt and use them to understand the bigger picture of their lives? Absolutely. You know, losing a business, um, uh, is a very difficult thing because, you know, that's their baby. They started, they developed it, they've worked it every day, they worked hard. They feel guilty. They feel like they've made mistakes. They've done something wrong. They, you know, no, you have to forgive yourself again for anything you think you should have, could have, would have done. And you take that experience and you say, you know what, I learned a lot and now I'm going to move forward. You see, but I am going to grieve the fact that maybe my lifestyle changes and I have to walk through that. Um, the grief, I might have to sell my car or I might have to go to an apartment. You know, uh, all these things are grief and we have to grieve them. We have to process them. We have to feel the pain of that loss. Once you feel the pain, then you can move forward. And that it's difficult. It's difficult because we've, again, it's a lifestyle change, you see. And so we have to begin to say, okay, you know, what am I grateful for? What did I learn from this? It was painful and I am crying and I sit down for 10 or 15 minutes a day, a half hour, I cry. And then I'm like, okay, and what can I do next and next, you see? But you got to cry. You got to let it up and out. Absolutely. And I love that. Just, you know, sit down and cry 10 yes. minutes. And just yes. let it out and yes. stop what you're doing and honor it and let it yep. happen. That's and not right. not push it down. That's right. Because the more you resist, it persists. That's what I say. So <laughs> I tell my clients, you know, set a timer, you know, half hour, <laughs> 20 minutes and just let it out. And then you're going to feel better and it's going to give you the energy to keep moving forward. Great. Um, besides that, besides like letting yourself cry whenever you have these waves of sadness or grief come up, what are some other ways that people can deal with their grief and, and release some of it? A good thing is water. I tell people, you know, sit in the tub, light some candles. Exercise is good. You know, going for a walk, um, you know, taking care of yourself that way. Um, and, and, and I always go back to the meditation and journaling. Those are two powerful, powerful things. And again, any kind of groups that you can attend or go to, all, all very healing. Wonderful. That's the most important thing. If you are grieving, please do not isolate. Please step out and ask for help and allow that help. You know, people are not, you know, some of us are not good receivers, Angela, and so, you know, we're, we're good givers, but we're not good receivers. True. And true. I, yeah, and I think a lot of the grievers, they feel like they're bothering someone or they don't want to annoy anybody or upset anybody or make somebody else sad. You know, that's the other thing. It's like, well, I don't want to talk to my mother about the loss of my dad because it makes my dad, my mom sad. But we need to talk to mom about losing dad because we have to give mom permission to be sad. You see, by not talking to her about dad, she's grieving 
alone and by herself. And so we need to talk to our loved ones about the people that we love that we have lost. You know, sometimes people will say, well, I'm afraid to talk to dad because, you know, he gets angry. Well, then you just need to say, dad, I know you're angry, but I really want to talk to you about mom and how much I miss her, you see, and give him a hug, you see, because his anger is the sadness that he feels and the aloneness. Um, even someone who has lost a child, sometimes people disappear from them because they don't know how to deal with the fact that they have lost their child and the thought of losing their own child, they back away and they don't know how to assist that, that family. So it's very important to step in and, and, and help and nurture and just listen. That's the biggest part. Uh, listen to those people that are grieving. And if you're grieving, you need to step out and find a group that will assist you and help you in your grieving process. Uh, a therapist, a, a spiritual healer, a, a group of any kind. Uh, very important. And Barbara, can you remind us of your book and how we can order it? Um, yes, the book is up on Amazon. It's called Everywhere, Nowhere. Uh, and like I said earlier, we have five stars, Angela. We're really happy. <laughs> and so it has helped a lot of people. Um, and it is a book about, um, Dan is his name, uh, his journey and, uh, the loss of his son and how, um, how he healed through that and, um, and is, uh, is moving forward and has adapted to this loss. Wow. So, mm -hmm. yeah. so thank you so much for being my guest here tonight. And I hope, um, I hope you can come back again in the future and we can explore some of these other topics. Oh, thanks, Angela. I really enjoyed being with you and God bless everyone out there. Yeah. Thank you all for listening. So um, just to wrap this up, my name is Angela Boswell. This is the spiritual life. We have this mentoring call every Monday night at 7 p.m. Eastern time. If you'd like to learn more about the services that I provide, as well as a bunch of free resources, please go to AngelaBoswell.com. And you are always welcome to send me a message through my email, Angela at AngelaBoswell.com, or through this app, send me a question or chat. Now, Barbara, if there's anyone on the call tonight that wants to get in touch with you so they can learn more about your services and maybe how you can help them, how can they contact you? Um, yes, I have a website. It's Barbara St. John, S-A-I-N-T-J-O-H-N.com. And also they can reach me at Barb St. John, B-A-R-B-S-A-I-N-T-J-O-H-N at Cox.net. And I would be happy to answer any questions they may have. Thank you so much. And I encourage everyone out there to reach out to Barbara. She's really an amazing person. And she's that kind of person that's in our lives in those really hard times. And she's able to help us make sense out of those hard times and guide us on a course to help us develop our spirituality and our own self-understanding. So please reach out to her. Um, at any time. She's just an amazing person. And I'm just so grateful that you've been here with me tonight. Oh, thanks, Angela. Thanks. And, and for everyone else, I hope you have a great week. And I hope to see you back here again next Monday night at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you.